Hi, Ina here. Quick warning, this episode starts right off the bat with some explicit language, so if you have little ones around, this is the time to put on your headphones or to wait until they're not around anymore. Okay, ready? The episode begins now. If I had to think, oh shit, I lost my job. Oh shit, 20K in debt. What the fuck? Like, you are 30 years old. Get your shit together. Elaine Liu is an online business coach and master relationship builder who is on her way to reaching seven figures in her business after being in business for just three years. And it all started when she lost her job fundraising for a nonprofit. Little did she know, all that time she spent networking became the foundation of her client acquisition process today. Our donors, we organize who we connect with. You always want to put your top priority donors. That's what I do in my own business. I'm just connecting with people who I know are big leads or big referrals for me, and then they convert. You would also be surprised to know that her philosophy is to stay as far away from online launches as possible. In contrast, I love launches. My name is Ina, and I'm about to share with you a great example of someone who didn't follow any of the rules and became a huge success in the online coaching world anyway. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, head over to the reviews and give us a quick five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show, and thanks. Here's the interview with a rule breaker, Elaine Liu. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kobani, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. Hi, everybody. Today, we have a real special treat. I've been so looking forward to this interview. We have Elaine Liu, who is going to tell us a little bit of how she built her business. And I already told her how impressed I was when I saw her on Selena Sue's impacting millions live conference. And I thought to myself, I need to have her. I need everybody to know about this woman. Hi, Elaine. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And we have so much to talk about because I did my homework and we're going to geek out a couple of, about a couple of different things. Are you ready for this? Yes, go oh, for it. Let's do it. Um, first of all, can you tell us a little bit of who you are and what you do? Yes. Hi, everyone. I am a business and career coach for women of all colors. And what I've just, I'm the founder of the Call Your Dreams movement. What actually makes me unique is not because of my coaching business, it's because of my past experience. I was a former grassroots organizer who knocked on doors, did phone calls. And I also used to be a nonprofit fundraiser who had donors like Elon Musk, the mm-hmm. era of LA Times. So the focus on my business is relationship building, which is how I've hit multi six figures and about to hit seven figures next year. And I've served over 200 plus clients, teaching them like this high organic touch framework. I don't use ads. I build relationships and that's what I teach my clients to do too. And we are going to dive into that because I have talked to people who use uh, Facebook ads is their bloodline. I, I've talked to people who, uh, you know, they know what their numbers are, right? They've perfected the art of using Facebook ads to know how much revenue they're going to get based on how much they put in. You don't do any of that. Nope. And I want to come and okay, okay, let's, let's start there. Let's start there. First of all, I look back into your history and starting in politics. And I know that this was one of those things that you grew up in California and you said, okay, I'm moving to Iowa to knock on doors and be, I guess, be a part of a political campaign. And first of all, I wanted to know, how did that come about? How did you go from California 
to Iowa to work in politics. Was politics something that you were interested in or was this just a job? Yeah, well, I'm a first-generation immigrant here in the States. So going after my dreams is really important. Making an impact and change was important. And to be transparent, when I graduated college, it was during the recession, 2009, 2010. So there was not much jobs. Usually it's the opposite. Someone from the Midwest moves to California. I honestly couldn't find any jobs. I got waitlisted, got a fellowship to work in Iowa as a grassroots organizer in politics. And basically what that is, is I I had to do phone calls for 12 hours straight. And I'm not talking about iPhone smartphones. I'm talking about landlines. Do you guys Mm. remember what that was? Um, (laughs) So landlines calling 400 people per day and knocked on 15 doors an hour. This is so weird as a millennial. Um, I hated my job at first. Just hated Mm. it because I just did phone calls. But within six months, I organized 557 people to come and volunteer. Our goal was really simple get people to vote, which is fascinating because right now it's an election year. And even though I didn't like my job, what I saw about it was I learned how to build relationships, to listen to people, how to follow up with them. Um, People talk about this all the time. I talk about how getting a sale is like dating. Um, And I hope all of you who have little kids around, I hope you have your headphones on, but are you going to ask for sex on the first date? Unless you found that person on Tinder, no, you're not going to ask for sex on the first date. The goal of the first date is to get a second date. So right. what we learned in grassroots organizing, the first goal is having that volunteer come in to do phone calls. And then if you're able to get them the second time, it's because they came for you. And mm-hmm. I've been able to organize different campaigns throughout the States um, mm-hmm. and knock on doors. And I just learned the art of building relationships and listening because whether it's a product or a service, the person who's buying is a human being. They're making right. a choice. And one thing that, um, you know, again, like doing my homework in all the things that you were doing, first of all, because I'm a big politics junkie, like I just, <laughs> I just a lot of stuff. And I wonder if you were interested in politics at the time. Yes, I was, of course. What was it, what was it about it that attracted you to that field? Um, what attracted me was just that I'm going to do a little pitch in terms of voting. I'm not going to get like political on one side or the other. What I, what I want to Everybody should vote like, for sure. Yeah, I am. I'm a first generation immigrant. So my parents came from the Philippines. This country is made of immigrants and people move here because they have a voice. That voice is through voting. Mm-hmm. And so there is a powerful force in it in there when you're voting for something, because, you know, my parents, the generations before them didn't have that much of a voice in the country that they were in, like so many other first generation immigrants. So that's mm-hmm. where my passion lies in. And for me, if I could just encourage people to vote, that's great. And I also want to let people know in this podcast, elections doesn't happen every four years. There's also local elections. One of the things that um, that when you were in there, after you got out of the politics, you went into the nonprofit yes. sector. And you've described before how you were basically getting paid to hang out with wealthy people all the time. What was that like? Oh God, I loved it. (laughs) I mean, obviously this was before COVID, but I would just have lunch and dinner at these really nice places. I I love, it was my dream job. I will say I worked at a community college, Pasadena City College and their foundation as a fundraiser. And I would listen to their life lessons. It was basically doing it was like doing podcast interviews, but not having it recorded because it wasn't like, I want to give $20,000 to an art scholarship. That, those are not the conversations. The conversations were, 
let me, like, I'm just going to tell you what I learned about life because these were people that were older, like early age 60. Mm -hmm. Um, and I learned just so much from them just so all of you, and also just so all of you know, too, like it wasn't just 60, but I had a donor. You may know him. His name's Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. I met him before he created Tesla. I was at his SpaceX control room with his other board members. We were having lunch and he donated to this cause that I was working for at the time. And I also want to give you a little hint. He did not come from an email funnel. Right. Right. He came from connection, relationship building, listening to him. But I was around very wealthy people. And I'm not talking about the I mean, they don't even need to post about how much money they make. And that's another thing I could just rant about because I don't post how much money I make. I post about my clients' wins. Right. And they just share their, not their necessarily their wealth, but how they want to live and their purpose and their mission. There is more depth to it. That's can, the type of wealth I want to see more of, like I wish in the coaching world. Can you think of one specific one that really stuck with you that their advice still resonates in your head? Yeah, so... I mean, I could share this. I, one of my donors is the heir of a very famous newspaper. If I said the newspaper, you would know it, but I'm going to keep it confidential. Okay. And unfortunately, her daughter passed away in her late 20s mm. from cancer. And she did art, like she just painted all day. And one of the things she just shared, I'm just, I'm so grateful I had her in my life. Mm. Like there was no... I'm so upset. I hate cancer. Like there was no negative thing. It was just, just the act of gratitude. And because I just listened to her story, we honored it. And she gave a hundred thousand dollars for an art scholarship. There was no like, come give us a bonus. And if you act now, you will get a name in this building. Like there is no fast action bonus. It was just the act. It was being human. It was listening to their stories. And in turn, like I just, I learned so much from them. At which point did you decide from the nonprofit world that it was time for you to branch out on your own? What happened? What precipitated that change? Yeah. So, so it's weird. I worked for both nonprofit and government. This is what I mean by that. I worked at a community college. So it's mm -hmm. government funded. So if anyone has worked in government, you know, your salary is based off of this damn spreadsheet with a line like L1. And then each year you get a little income increase. Yeah. So for me to move up in this industry, because I saw myself as being an executive director for a nonprofit is I had to go get my master's. So I went to go get my master's and obviously my immigrant Asian parents were so excited. Yay. My daughter's getting a master's. I'm going to brag about Yay. her to all of my friends. The day I graduated, I just didn't feel happier well I don't know I couldn't even eat that day and I love eating and then I I realized fuck I've been doing what other people have been telling me to do this is not what I want to do mm. like I really want to start my own business so yes going to grad school was a very expensive route for me to realize I had I wanted to have a business but it was also a really great experience for me to realize I didn't want it so mm. I have no regrets in terms of things that have happened so with me graduating from master's, realizing I didn't want to move up in that industry made me realize I want to start my own business. So I actually start before I became a business coach, I was a career coach because I was able to transition from politics to nonprofit. I was able to ask for a raise from 60K to 72K to 98K. I increased my salary up to 38K within a year. Right. In addition to that, I like when I was a director, I actually started being a director at the at the age of 22, so really young, and manage people who are double my age. So mm -hmm. I had to learn to be assertive. I had to teach people like, hey, I'm not just this young 20-year-old, take me seriously. 
So I learned how to create boundaries, you know, showcase myself and my strengths to people who are older than me. So that's what I taught people during career coaching. And then the best and worst thing, I call it the worst thing, but best thing happened in my life. I lost my job right after I turned 30, right after my birthday. It was the best. It was the worst thing, obviously. I'm like, oh my God, I lost my job. Um, But it was the best thing because it made me focus full-time into my business. My business grew so fast that people are like, how the hell did you grow your business so fast? So I transitioned more to business coaching. And I will say, yes, I ha- there's not one day I haven't had a coach. I believe in investing in ourselves. Mm-hmm. But really the foundation of everything I teach was because of my decade experience as a grassroots organizer, nonprofit fundraiser. It's, it's really interesting. All I do is just voice memo, DM people, build relationships. I only have 3000 followers on Instagram, but this is what I've learned in the nonprofit sector because in our donors, we organize who we connect with. You always want to put your top priority donors. That's what I do in my own business. I'm just connecting with people who I know are big leads or big referrals for me. And then they convert and they're so grateful that I know they're I know them beyond their first name. I know if they have a dog, a cat, you know, if they're going to Hawaii this week, I know personal details about people that are like, wow, she really cares. And I do. Mm-hmm. I, all my clients will tell you they care. I mean, for example, my clients, it's not my birthday. I got two bouquets of flowers just because for my clients. Uh, so I really want to start want to talk about the relationship building part, but I'm not ready to move on yet because you just said something that is key that a lot of people, Elaine, are feeling right now with the pandemic, a ton of people have lost their jobs, right? So we have a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Um, We have kind of two camps. One camp saying, well, I can't really sell anything right now because I want to be sensitive to those people who lost their job because they can't pay. And we have another camp who says, you guys, this is the best time, (laughs) the best thing that could have happened to you. So you can actually take off with your life. And I would love from somebody who's been there, who lost her job, who had already been thinking I should probably start my own business, but it was the job loss that really made that happen. What would you say to someone who's in the position that you were, but now during the pandemic? Don't let your current circumstances dictate your future. Mm. If I had to think, oh shit, I lost my job. Oh shit, 20K in debt. What the fuck? Like you are 30 years old, get your shit together. Literally all three thoughts were in my head. I'm just being transparent. Mm -hmm. But what has led me to that is not gonna help me to my next level. To get to the next level, like for example, okay, I don't know when you're gonna air this, but yesterday my Lakers team won. fucking Lakers team one because they also had a coach and a coaching staff right like and also because I'm from LA like Kobe didn't just become Kobe because it was Kobe right he had Phil Jackson similar to Michael Jordan I don't know about you but I want to be in that type of elite level when it comes to my business and in order for me to do that I have to invest in myself also in terms of the question of like oh, I'm scared to sell to other people, change the framework of saying selling is serving. And also it's 2020, right? How many of you are mad that toilet papers companies are still selling toilet paper? I'm fucking happy Charmin is selling. That is my brand. But like, why would you be upset? And also for the people, I mean, here's another mindset shift, Mm. like reframe. The people that you say, they're going to be mad at me that I'm selling. List those names for me. Mm -hmm. can't think of them. Right. And let's say you could think of like 
Uncle Bob or Jill and that bitch, Karen, right? Right. Are they even your ideal client? No. So who gives a fuck? Like, okay, this is a great mindset trick that I've learned. Beyonce has haters. Right. (laughs) And Beyonce is fucking amazing. How the hell does she have haters? So it's just going to happen. There's going to be people that don't like you, but you have to think deep. Why the hell you're doing this? For me, I'm a first generation immigrant. I'm honoring my parents and my grandparents' legacy by going after what's important for me. Did you always think this way about money, about having a business? Did you always think this enlightened? Yes, I'm the weird one in my family (laughs) and in my friends. I mean, I went to therapy when I was 18. Like I'm always questioning everything. I'm such a rule breaker. That's why I'm not in politics anymore. Um, But yes, but I will say in terms of... even not having a business, even when I was back in my full-time job and I wanted to get a raise, I knew something had to change. So I hired a career coach. That's how I got into my experience as being a client to coaching. It wasn't even like, I want to build a business. Like how the hell do I ask for a raise? You know why? I was around family members and friends where I told them I want to get a raise. Like, oh, if you work hard, your boss is just going to give you money. I was like, that's not how this is. Like, that's not it. I can, t- I can a tell. a very immigrant mentality. Yeah. You work hard, your boss is going to reward you. I'm like, no, you have to ask for what you want. Yeah. When I was in corporate, I was underpaid for many years. And when I finally had the courage to sit across from my boss and tell them, okay, I feel like I deserve a raise at this point. I was never adjusted by cost of living when I moved from Kentucky to Massachusetts. And I like, this is, 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 and he tells me like to my face, he's like, yeah, I noticed that you were getting paid less than ever, like than all your peers. I noticed that. I'm like, were you planning on doing something about it? No, the yeah. answer is no. Why would it be his job to spend more Correct. money on his cost center? It just isn't. His not, I mean, here's the reality. Your boss is not thinking about you all the time. Right. They're not. They have other things they're thinking about. Not that they don't care. I mean, sure, there are asshole bosses, but they just don't have time. So you need to, as an employee, you have to bring it to your attention. Like you can't be the yes person. That's not how you're going to move up. Yeah. Like you have to question things. Like I've learned to be assertive. Like I understand, like I would tell my boss all the time, I understand you want to do this. While at the same time, these are issues that I could see along the way. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So having conversations like that, but all those assertive conversations have helped me question myself. Like, well, I don't want to be in this. What, what pushed me out? I mean, yes, I lost my job, but I, you know, working in a government organization like a community college, it's very bureaucratic. So Mm -hmm. the movement of new ideas and creativity is so slow. And as someone who's creative like me, like that's just not going to work for me. Right. And you mentioned that you, when you were thinking about getting that raise, did you say, did I get this right? That you were working with a career coach at the time? So, okay. So was that your first like view into there is a coaching world out there? Yes. How did, how did your coach find you? How did you find them? Um, it was funny. I was talking to my therapist. I was like, I'm considering working with a coach. Teach me how to ask for a raise. She Googled someone and then that's how it found it. I'm going to listen to my therapist. Yeah, that was my first experience being a client to a coach. And I was like, wait. And then towards the end of our coaching, I was like, I could do something like this. Right. Uh, I don't know. So it was just always in the back of my head. Yeah. I'll be honest, when I wanted to start my business, um, I didn't want to be seen. Visibility was hard for me. 
Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm just gonna start a blog because yeah. I love writing. Oh. And then I started talking to, as you should, when you're starting, you should talk to other entrepreneurs, get not just get their insider advice, but know you're not alone in the negative thoughts and energy you might be thinking of. And then one of my friends like, you need to hire a coach. I'm like, okay, well, do you have someone? She's like, yeah, my friend or my coach. So I connected with her and I told her like, yeah, I want to start a blog. And she called me out. This is why you hire coaches. Not because you do what they say. Like I even tell my own clients, you did not hire me to make you feel good. You hired me to be direct with you. And she was direct with me. You're not going to make any money on blogs. Blogs are very 2000. And at the time it was 2017. So can you believe it? (laughs) 20 years ago is 2000s anyways. And, and she told me like, you're a coach. Like you have helped other people. Like you've been able to do this in your own career. Other people want to hear it. So that was how I got into it. And I was just, yeah. I was stuck in my mindset a lot in the beginning, but you know what? I wouldn't have gotten out. I wouldn't have been successful if I didn't have the support I needed. What do you think was the, what what was the internal conversation? I just want to talk about for people who are listening to us, who've never invested in a coach before, right? I remember I've told the story many times of when I signed up for my first coach, I had just quit my job after having my second baby and having gotten majorly screwed over in corporate by my boss while I was on maternity leave. Um, I came back, I worked for a week and I quit after one week. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And um, that's when I called up somebody who had gotten me into a sales call two months prior. And I had said, no, this is too expensive. I would be basically giving you all of my um, all of my revenue from my side business. This is this something I can do. And we're talking like at the time, it was like $7.97 a month. Like it was oh, that's nothing. right. It's like a zero compared to everything. Like they, the coaching, the level, high level coaching that I've invested in since, since then. But back then it was like, that is just way too much. I can't do it. Two months later, when I quit my job, I called her. I'm like, I realized that if I don't do this right now and I don't get the right help, I may end up back at my job in a year and I don't want that to happen. So I wonder what what was your first encounter with paying for a premium coach and what was that conversation like in your head about investing? Yes, my first business coach was 10K. Yeah. And um, I remember that sales calls because I was like crying, fear of success, but I just graduated from my master's. I just spent 40K on my master's for two years and decided I didn't want to use it. And so it was a 10K investment. Yes. I was like, like, this was the thing that I put in my head. What Mm -hmm. is the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. And that's what I learned from my coach. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, my business fails. Okay. What's going to happen next? Can you find a job? (laughs) I'm fucking employable. Like I raised millions of dollars. Like, yeah, I'm employable, but I don't want it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to work full time um, for, for another organization. And we make shit up in our head then mm-hmm. go there, right? Like, they're all going to judge me. Who's they? Make the list. Like, what if I fail? Okay, what's, what's going to happen if you fail? Well, if I fail, I'm going to have to move back with my parents. I'm not homeless. Like, mm-hmm. I could find a job. We have one life to live. I remember when I invested 10K, obviously, of course this happens. My truck breaks down mm-hmm. and that, that money could have been down deposit to a new car and then my car eventually started. I drove to my mom and then my mom, very Asian immigrant mom. Oh, you could have used that down payment for a Mercedes Benz. I'm like, <laughs> and mind you, she's a mom. So it came from love, right? right so I right. looked at her straight in the eye and I'm like, mom, when I die, I'm not going to be thinking about the Mercedes. I'll be thinking about how I didn't go after my dreams. Yeah. And I don't want that. 
I mean, how many of you have wasted money on a dish you didn't want? You know what I'm saying? You go to a restaurant and you're like, fuck, I knew I should have just kept the pad thai I always order, but I wanted to try something new. But at least you knew when you tried it. How many of you have wasted time with an ex-partner for years? I mean, you tried. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's, it's become, um, I've had conversations with people for whom the money is so the goal that they're going for that they don't want to spend it because that takes them away from their goal because my money's going to go down if I put it here. When the mentality for, for me, for sure, since I started, has shifted to the money is a tool to get me to a goal that is not the monetary goal, is the life, is the not yeah. wanting the regrets, is the doing exactly what I want to do, which is talking to you right now, rather than being stuck in a cubicle somewhere. So it's, for me, it has been stop thinking about the money as the goal and start thinking of it as a tool to get to your yeah. how do you want to feel how do you want to live you know two things with that with money money comes from the word current mm-hmm. current like water moves and current currency right get it money currency current moves when water stays still in a cup how will it look 30 days from now it's disgusting and stagnant But if you go to a stream or a river, like water is flowing, right? Recessions happen because no one spends. Money is supposed to move. It's kind of like having a partner, right? Do you want your partner with you 24-7? No. When my boyfriend (laughs) goes out, I mean, I know it's COVID, but it's like my boyfriend goes out. I'm like, hey, enjoy your time. Kind of like when I pay for bills, like, okay, just paid for rent. All right, bye. I'll see you next month again on the first when I pay you. Right. Similar thing. And then second is, you know, money, like I said, money is energy. I don't know. It just makes sense to me. How are you going to yeah. get to that next level? So if you're holding back, what does that show to the universe? Right. I remember I made a $25,000 investment. Mm-hmm. Well, I was scared to, cause I'll be transparent. I was 55 K in debt, but I don't like using the word debt. I like using the word investment because it wasn't like I was buying a Louis Vuitton purse a week. It was because right. I was investing in my business. And when I got to the call with my co- that coach at that time, I was like, I'm 55 K in debt. I cannot do this down to positive five K. And, and she was really sweet. She worked it out with me. She was like, you know what, just do this amount this month. And then you could do the rest. And I'm like, okay, it scared the shit out of me, but I still did it. Guess what happened? I had a fucking six-figure launch. Would I have gotten it with without her? Oh, hell no. I probably, I would not have. And mind you, it's also the perspective on it. For those of you that own a house or a car, we're technically in debt. It's yeah. like hundreds and thousands of dollars. And also, did you know Disney was bankrupt three times? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, there's a Forbes article if you want me to share it with you. There's a <laughs> list of a, a lot of wealthy people, but Disney was bankrupt three times. And look at Disney now. Disney World, mm-hmm. Disneyland, all their movies. The way that I've, I've started to think about it when I make big investments like that is what would I rather have like next month? $10,000 in the bank sitting there or this incredible opportunity to be in a new circle of people of high level, high minded people who are going to get me to that next level to get the kind of coaching that I'm going to take with my business and help it grow. Like when you invest, you're actually 
watering the plant. You're not just buying the water and putting it on the shelf. You're actually making something grow. So um, I could stay on this money topic all of like the entire conversation just because I think that money mindset is a huge, huge hurdle for a lot of people who are starting out who want to make it far. You may be very smart and resourceful. I am very smart and resourceful. It wasn't until I got my coach that I actually saw things moving. I saw myself learning from it and doing more things. So, uh, but I did want to talk to you about a couple more other things. So one thing that everybody should know is that, and you mentioned it earlier, you only have like 3000 followers on Instagram and you are on your way to reaching the seven figure mark next year. Is this all accurate? Is this, is this yes. true? And congratulations, because you have done this, you have made it by all of your choices. And I want everybody to know that there isn't just one way of making money as an online coach, which is to have a million followers on Instagram. And I want you to tell us, because the first question that people have on their minds is, wait a minute, she's going to reach the seven figure mark and she doesn't even have like 10,000. She can't even use the swipe up feature on Instagram stories because she doesn't have the $10,000 followers. So I need you to tell us, okay, how does your business model work? I also want to let remind everyone, before I was a coach, I raised millions and hundreds and thousands of dollars for nonprofit organizations. This was not like a coach taught me a coach, like, you know, that whole funnel thing. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say, it's built off relationships. Like that's how I got Elon Musk as a donor, or other big name donors. In my organization, in my company, I do it similarly. So for example, I do free monthly events and I post it on Eventbrite. So this is my whole client journey. I call it the high organic touch journey for me. It's going to be different for each person. Right. I also want to let people know, fuck looking at what I do or what other coaches do. You have to do what works best for you. You have yeah. to be in alignment to your energy what works best. So I use Eventbrite. The reason why I use Eventbrite is because Eventbrite is hooked up to Google SEO. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people know this. Right. So when you do an event, you're not just presenting it on Facebook and Instagram when you post it, but you also present it to the Eventbrite community. So I'm actually number one in the Google search when you look for Los Angeles and women in business events. This is back before COVID, by the way. Right, right. Um, so I do monthly events. And then from there, I make sure in my email marketing, like if you know other like-minded entrepreneurs, invite them. So mm -hmm. I get anywhere from about 40 to 80 people sign up a month. And then even my own clients are referring people to come to my events. And all I do in my Instagram, like today, every Monday, guaranteed, you guys could follow me at Elaine Lou underscore. I know that's going to be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I share client wins. And then you don't need the swipe up function. I'm going to give you guys a little tip. Instead of the swipe up function, use the poll. So for example, I presented that one of my clients passed a six figure mark. And then I put a poll like amazing in one side. I want to learn. Then you click on that little I thing. You look at everyone that hits the poll and then you just send personal DMs like, Oh, hey, Ina, thank you so much for liking my client's win of hitting six figures. How are you doing? What support do you need in your business? Mm -hmm. That's it. Like it's, I'm building relationships. When I put a post and for example, I just did a post about how I was at the four seasons and how I learned the importance of being reflective. It's not about learning more. It's about being reflective. Mm -hmm. And then I just followed up with people like, hey, Ina, thanks for liking my post about me being in the four seasons. Like what resonated with you the most? Do you yeah. see how it has nothing to do with me? It has to do with some the other person. I'm right. listening. Listen more, talk less. And I love it because you didn't, you don't do the funnel thing. This was like when you reached your 
first six-figure launch back in 2019, it was not based on the funnel and a class and a webinar. And it was just all relationship. It was just outreach like this. One of my clients made $1,500 from sending a DM on Instagram. She has no sales page. Also, I want all of you to remember businesses that happened before social media. Right. It's called social media for a reason to be social. Here is one thing that I would love for you to, um, to share with us. I have two questions for you. Number one, what do you think is the biggest misconception of you, of, that people may have of you, of somebody who has been mightily successful in their business, even without a funnel? What do you think is the biggest misconception they have of you? Of me? Oh, I didn't realize the question was of me. Um, I think people think I'm just like DMing people all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do DM people, but it's relationship building, guys. So the power of it is I have like an amazing referral program. And because I, more important than the referral program, all I do is focus on my client results. Mm-hmm. So I'm in year three of my business. I just brag about my client results. My clients get really happy. They talk about me. Then I get clients. Like (laughs) I have 12 sales calls in the next two weeks. I am not even pitching anything right now. That is amazing. Morning I woke up. I'm like, oh, someone booked a sales call. I don't know what the fuck I did. What did that that one come from? I haven't read her application yet. But I will say what I usually do is I look at them and what all, like probably 95% of the time, they know one of my clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my Instagram, you guys should follow me. It's at Elaine Lou, E-L-A-I-N-E-L-O-U underscore. Mm-hmm. It's unique from other coaches because all I do is just brag about my clients. And I, for those that are watching this video, I like show my stuffed animals. I show more of me. Like it's not this perfect and pristine shit, like size zero. It's oh, look, here's my client wins or here's my cute little stuffed animal or I'm doing the Peloton ride right now. It's more real. Can you tell us a little bit about your client results? What are some recent ones that are you very proud of? I have two clients that just surpassed the six-figure mark in the past two months. Another one that's 2K away from six figures. I have another client. I'm not even seven figures yet, but she's at 2.1 million. Mm. Um, I will say, so since my launch in June, Every Monday, I share new client wins. And I tell people, how many coaches do you know that share new client wins? They always, you'll always see coaches share like one or two of the same client text mm-hmm. messages. I share new client wins every Monday. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> I forgot what the question <laughs> is, but oh, client wins. Like client results. results. So there's that. And then another one, you know, another client result that has nothing to do with money. I have two clients who are pregnant. Oh, messaging is about legacy and building a like, you know, future generations. So mm-hmm. they both, I, one is going to have a baby girl, another one, a baby boy. So I'm like, Oh, it's the mastermind quarantine babies. And they're, they're able to go to doctor's appointments and rest and sleep when they're in pain and still run a business. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wish we had more time to talk, but you have to give us one more thing, which is I'm going to give you the power to get the whole world to do one thing in the next 24 hours and they have to do it to better, to improve their life, to improve their business, to be happier. What would that thing that you would tell the world to do? What would it be? Ask the question how you want to feel, right? So for me, 
how I want to feel is more fun. Like I want more fun, joy, and be playful. Then the second difficult question is, do you feel that right now? And if you don't feel what you want to feel, what are things you have to change? So I will be transparent. I had a very successful launch, sold out 13 people into my mastermind in June. And then I had what I call, you know, postpartum launch depression. Like it was so hard for me to get back up to do the same work. I'm like, I can't do this again. Sure. I'm very grateful that I made all that money, but I'm not feeling fun and joyful. So what did I do to change it? I hired a team. I hired my project manager, my community manager. I, ha- I bought a, a bike. So I do Peloton riding. Yes. I make sure I don't work every other Friday. So there's at least one day out of the weekday I'm not working. I go to the park. I, w- I booked like the four seasons after I did a virtual retreat with my mastermind. And, then I- and what's hilarious is because my feelings are more fun and play, I'm getting more sales. In fact, my mantra is, the less I work, the more fun and play I have. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and for sharing this time and all of your wisdom with us. So how can people find you? And I know that you have a little gift for everyone. Yeah, so everyone, I'm, it's really simple. So add me on Instagram. So that's E-L-A-I-N-E-L-O-U underscore, so the little line. And actually DM me global phenomenon. So I know that you listened to this podcast and I'm going to send you guys my six word towards scripts, but I actually want you to DM me. And here's why. Not only will you get a new follower for you, one, two, not only are you going to get the freebie, three, I want you to experience how I'm going to build a relationship with you online. How I DM you, ask certain questions. This is what you can do in your own audience. I kind of like that. Can I do that? Yeah, go ahead and do it. I think I'm going to DM you right after this. Elaine, thank you so much for being so lovely and all the best. Good luck with the rest of the year. I know that it's going to be fabulous. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thanks so much, Ina. And I can't wait to see you guys in the DMs on Instagram. Everybody will do that. Thank you, Elaine. Hey there, Ina here. After this episode, you may be wondering how you can also achieve the kind of success that our guest has experienced in their entire career. So hit follow and subscribe to catch me on Thursday for a brand new lesson on how to grow your coaching business, even if you have a small audience. And if you'd like to hear the full interview with all the details that only the super fans care about, get free access to all of our uncut interviews by going to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark. 